0: How difficult, or is it difficult being a successful woman, Black woman in corporate America at today o'clock?
1: Today o'clock? It is extraordinarily difficult. Um, Maybe some people have a different experience. Um, Maybe some people have a different skill set that makes them better at it. I think it is extraordinarily difficult. Difficult because that thing that you're talking about of the twice as hard, your decisions have to be so not only correct, but your reasoning has to be correct. They have to agree with your logic. They have to, how did you get here? You can't just say, do X. You have to, well, because I was looking at this data point here and then in consideration of that, and then this, perhaps X would be (laughs) the way we should go. Mm -hmm. But let me know your thoughts about that. See see how how I did that? Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's every conversation that I have all day long.
0: What's good, family? Welcome to another episode of the Wealth Blueprint series, where we have conversations from the intersection of family and finance. I'm one of your hosts, D. Johns, Philip Washington Jr. Today, as you've guessed it, we have an amazing—we got a spectacular guest. I keep saying amazing, but I got a feeling this one is spectacular. Vicky Blanton, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: I am wonderfully well. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting for me.
0: Thank you for being here, taking some time out of your busy schedule, and I'm sure as the conversation goes, they'll see how valuable your time really is as you start to explain yourself to our audience. Now, here's the thing. Some of our audience doesn't know you. I know that may be alarming, but uh, for those that don't know you, how do you present yourself? How do you introduce yourself to others?
1: Depends on where I am and what I'm doing. So if I were at a corporate function, I would say uh, I am an ERISA attorney which that means I practice in the area of employee benefits like 401k plans, retirement plans. And actually, that's how Philip and I, I got to know Philip a little bit better, um, talking about that aspect of my career. Um, And it's something I did not know existed in law school. I fell into it by accident. So um, it was a happy accident that has taken me on a very great journey um, for the past 25 years. So um, I'm 31-year attorney total, 32, um, started out as a trial lawyer. So I think pretty quickly on my feet, but I have to keep my own. Both of y'all, see which way y'all going on this <laughs> thing. Um, but otherwise, I'm a native, um, personally, I'm a native Dallasite. I have two daughters who are adulting very, very well. Mm. Uh, I'm very proud of them. Um, yeah, I'm divorced and yeah. Native Dallas site. Okay. Easy cheesy.
2: What, what part of Dallas? Oak Cliff. Oak Cliff.
1: OC in the house. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yes. So thirty, thirty-one 30, 31 years practicing?
1: Came out in ninety-one. So whatever this year is, 32. 30 but, she, but
0: she's only 35. How did that play? Child prodigy. Child prodigy. Yeah, yeah. Golf yeah, yeah, yeah. Very
1: well played.
0: Yeah. So uh Oak Cliff, so I'm not I'm not native Dallas, but okay. Oak Cliff has uh been ringing bells since I've been here. That was one of the first areas that I learned and I don't know much about it, but it seems to be a theme that a couple of the guests that have been on here are success stories out of Oak Cliff. Can you kind of give context to what Oak Cliff is like and how, let's, let's start there.
1: There's a complexity that is Oak Cliff, a complexity. So, let me clarify this because native Dallasites will get this. Whenever you meet another native Dallasite, the first thing you say is, "Oh, what high school?" Mm. So that kind of tells you where you grew up, what part of you of the city you were in, or if you're truly from Dallas. Because a lot of people say Dallas, and then they're like, "Oh, what's it? Oh, I went to Plano." No, 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 you're not from <laughs> Dallas, then, right? Um, which is nothing wrong with that. I'm just yeah. saying it just it's a quick context clue, yeah. right? So uh, my home school would have been Kimball. I went actually graduated from Skyline Career Development Center, which was the first super magnet in the country. Um, we had over four thousand students. It was like a mini city with the first thing of clusters, um, and so um, and that is amazing. The rest of the story is people don't want to think about it this way, but as you get older, you understand the context of history, it really was Dallas's answer to busing. So as to not bus in the traditional sense of taking one kid out of one neighborhood, busing them to another neighborhood because nobody wanted that to happen. So basically they built this high school that's in the, at the time was in the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm. like literally nowhere. And so they shipped us all out there and it, I don't think anybody's ever written about it. I don't know that they have, but I think it would be a great experiment. I mean, or to me, it seemed like it was a great experiment because it was very diverse. You had vocational um, clusters, you know, electricians, mechanics, you know, that sort of thing. And you also had the sciences and social studies. I took a pre-law program. That's how I got there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that makes for an interesting dynamic of learning how to get along with others from all over the city. Mm -hmm. Um, but to your question about Oak Cliff, what it is and what it isn't, the challenge with Dallas is that it is very um, segregated, basically, by the Trinity River, kind of like one side of the railroad tracks versus the other. There are people who are in North Dallas who have never crossed the Trinity, and they all they hear is that, oh, Oak Cliff is a scary part of time. It is not. Mm-hmm. Um, if you knew the history and why it's so interesting to watch the regentrification of Kessler Park, Stephen Park, um, Bishop Arts, and all of that, mm-hmm. once upon a time, that used to be basically like a Palm Springs type place for celebrities to come and vacation. Wow. People don't know that. Um, and probably Oak Cliff is, has the prettiest um, natural parts of Dallas with trees, and hills, and um, that's why right, it's Oak Cliff. People don't think about that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. There are cliffs on the southern sector, um, so uh, yeah, there is that dynamic of uh, an expectation of a certain excellence, um, and good things come can come out of the southern sector of Dallas.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's Kelly and I's favorite place to like. We 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 done staycations there. We are going to meet up with uh friends of ours on saturday like we always like we you know uh like we 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 want to we want to move them by there because if it if, if feels like at least where i grew up it 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 feels like houston and oak cliff right if you if you you know moving from houston the perception of dallas and i'm realizing the feel from dallas again nothing wrong with it but we were thinking dallas felt like north dallas because right. that's the faraway perspective. Then when you come and then you go, oh, Dallas has distinct areas. And we was like, oh, Cliff, this feels like home, right? I call it down-to-earth sophistication. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: You got to keep it real, uh, keep it authentic. People will call you out if you try to act like you don't know, mm-hmm. right? Um, but there's another factoid that I heard. Um, the geographic area of Oak Cliff is bigger than Atlanta.
0: Hmm. Yeah, uh, Yeah. I, I believe that. I believe that. Atlanta seems big. It has a lot of attention there. And there's a lot of opportunity. I network with several people there, but in terms of its actual size, it's like you were saying, people claim Atlanta, but they're not actually right. they're like they're Atlanta adjacent. Yeah. So, yeah, right. so like, I guess the not knowing, not driving around, not visiting Atlanta geographically seems way bigger than it is. Right. Tons of opportunity there. So in... um. What was, what was life like for you, uh, growing up? Um, who, who was in the house? What was the, what was the family dynamic? And I kind of want to weave it into like, what, what was the conversations around money in the house, if any?
1: Um, so I grew up my, uh, with, uh, both my parents, uh, initially they divorced when I was in junior high school. Um, Interestingly enough, my, my dad, who is an architectural engineer and lives in DeSoto, not too far from here, probably on the other end of Beltline. Um, but my dad was an, arch- an architectural engineer with the Army Air Force Exchange Service. So when I was about third grade. acs hmm. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, third grade, we went overseas and lived in Japan okay, for about a year. Um, my mom, you know, worked, uh, and I don't ever really remember a lot of discussions about money. I mean, it probably was fairly traditional, but my mom worked, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: right? Um, and I remember in Japan, and this comes as a memory, um, you know, I was commenting on your artwork being so amazing, uh, my mom got a job because there was a painting that she wanted to buy, hmm. and uh, and and she still has it. Mm. And uh, so it, it, his was very traditional. I take care of the house, the stuff. Your money is your money. You do what you want to, but I guess they all worked out. My mom is fairly, you know, frugal. Um, she's very much. Her her big saying is. If you want something, put the pencil to it. That's mm. what she always said. Well, put the pencil to it. Like, figure out what it's going to take, right. what it's going to cost, what are you going to need to sacrifice, you know, to, to realize, do you really want this? Um, yeah. So from that, I don't remember there being just a lot of conversations. Certainly no conversations about investing. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Now, the biggest investment, I do remember that my mom was very big on buying her CDs. She would, I would just say CDs. I didn't know exactly what that was. But, um, and her, you know, T-bills. That was her thing. Mm. Secure, you know. Those um, series EE bonds. Yeah. My, my, my great auntie right. has some. Mm-hmm. Right. And my dad, um, when I had my daughters, was very big on buying them savings bonds. Mm. In fact, I probably need to pull those out. <laughs> His because they <laughs> oh, they've matured and then some, and then some, yeah. I do need to put because my daughters they won't touch them for whatever reason. I'm like, well, go cash them in yeah, like yeah. this money now, yeah. right? And they're like, no, no, mom, no, 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 just you just hold on to them. I'm like, oh, oh okay,
2: wow. yeah, yeah, no, the, the, uh, and and I'm gonna I'm a ask a follow up question, but I want to lay the groundwork for like my definition of wealth, right? Because mine is different than what you think a traditional wealth managers might be, or just society is I think of wealth as quality of life, right? So a lot of people go around and they go, I'm not wealthy. I'm like, do you have a good quality of life? Yeah. I was like, then then you're, then you're wealthy, right? Right. Everything else is just an expansion of, of that, you know? So like, um, from, from, from that perspective, what, what do you, th- uh, cause outside looking in, I'm like, Vicky's living the life that she wants, right? I see you every time you're happy. You know what I mean? Like, you're excelling at what you're doing. So, like, uh, from my perspective, you have a very uh, wealthy life, even outside. I would not even gonna get into your personal financial business. But I'm just talking about from that perspective, um, uh, what helped shape your perspective on, like, building this life that you wanted? Wow. Um, that's
1: an interesting question. I agree with you that, um, well, I very much grew up into, in the sense of money does not equate happiness. It was more so money creates choices,
3: hmm.
1: right? It gives you greater opportunity. Um, and then what you choose to do with it is, you know, that's a matter of being able to make good choices, Um, now I will tell you, my mom was very big on consequential thinking. Mm. Hmm. Right. Every, you know, what is it? The dynamic, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Mm -hmm. Um, there are consequences to what you do. Um, so own your choice. If you own your choice, then you'll be good with the consequences, whatever they may be. Um, So sometimes you have to make some choices that seem negative, but if you've thought through consequentially, you'll be willing to accept that. I think, to me, I think personally, there are a lot of people, A, who don't own the choices they make. They try to put them on other people. Mm. Hence, they become unhappy because they never own that choice, and then they try to pin their unhappiness hmm. on other people.
2: Hmm.
1: They didn't think through the consequences of that choice. And not making a choice So-so. and being apathetic yeah. is still a choice. Mm-hmm. People don't get that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you just sit in the middle of the road, yeah, you're not getting run over today. Right? Eventually, <laughs> eventually. If something is going to come along, you've got to make a choice and own that choice.
0: Yeah. Indecision mm. is still a decision. It's still a decision.
1: <laughs>
0: what, what, what did um, Japan do for you in terms of how you see the world? And for context, for my reference, we lived overseas for three years. Mm-hmm. My children, my youngest was six months when we left. So th- the the first half of his life, well, they beyond half now, but even when we came back to the States, they still had a reference of life overseas and they thought the States was a visit. <laughs> thinking we're gonna go back overseas or <laughs> Where'd my, y'all live? In Dubai. Okay. For three years. And my, my older children saw it differently. So it was interesting to see them at different stages of life. I have five. And at the time, oof, why did I do that? I think at the time they were six months, two, eight, 10, and 12, roughly. So they had very different yeah. perspectives of, of life. The younger two, only knowing that as they're becoming more aware of things, the older ones having some contrast of what they left in the States. But the adaptability part, I think, is important to them now. So I have one that's 20 in college, still home. My second oldest is graduating this year, and she started talking about going to school out of state. And I'm like, whoa, wait, (laughs) are you leaving? (laughs) What are we we talking about? Embrace that. It's a
1: good thing. Both of my daughters went out of state. It's an amazing thing.
0: I agree. <laughs> <laughs> on, 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 camera, on camera, I agree. I'm not
1: saying it's not hard.
0: No, no, I, well, we'll, well, we'll compare and contrast that in a year. <laughs> I'm not it's not hard. I'm just but, saying. But what gives me um, some bit of confidence and assurance is we've made big transitions before and they adapted well. The living abroad Influence how you see change, how you adapt to change, how you make decisions in life?
1: Um, you know, I've never thought about it that way, but probably so. Um, and also I would add the opportunity to live in a place with a totally different culture, mm. right? From religion to language to um, just outlook on life, uh, social cues, like that everything is just different different, it's not wrong, it's just different. Um, and we were there in Japan in the mid-70s. Oh,
2: that was when it was, yeah, that was when it was on the up and up.
1: Yeah, well, and also that was, Japan is not a very open country, you know, they're one of the most homogenous, purest races (laughs) on on the earth, true, and they pride themselves on that, you know, to be pure Japanese is a high compliment to them. Um, so, uh, imagine we're there, black family with afros, and they were, like, stunned and amazed. Like, how is your hair defying gravity? We just don't understand. <laughs> we we don't understand. Uh, and my mom, I remember trying to uh, walk around and find a hairstylist that would press hair. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Not going to happen. It did not happen. So...
2: Um, and there was no YouTube videos back then. Oh <laughs> no, not at all, not
1: at all. Um, but I learned a lot of things that I still remember. And interestingly enough, my sister and I. So I have an older sister, and it was uh, the two of us and our parents. And and uh, we just went this past May back to Japan for the first time. As and you know, as kids, we always said we were going to go back, right? Mm-hmm. So we did that. We didn't go back exactly to the cities we were in, but still just to be in Japan and just to see how it's changed. And, and uh, it it did influence, first of all, uh, number one, the world is further than your fingertips. Imagine right? that. <laughs> they tell you that stuff is there, but it's really there, right. right? As we sit here, logically, intellectually, you know it's there, but it's another thing to then see, a temple. And I, uh, again, I do credit my mom too, because there are kind of two types and you probably saw this as you uh, lived abroad, those I'm going to stay on base or I'm going to stay right where I know they're American speaking, they're this. And then my mom, who's like, we're getting on a train today. Mom, where are we going? I don't know, but we're just getting on a train today. And, um, you know, we've explored temples. We wandered in on a Japanese wedding, uh, we have, like, seen and done things because she wasn't afraid of the adventure of it. Like, who knows if I'll ever get the opportunity to be in Japan again. I'm going to go see what that is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I do credit her a lot for that. My dad also, likewise, put in the um, the try it. You don't know if you don't like it. Yeah. How can you say you don't like it? You've never even tried it. Yeah. It's one of his biggest pet peeves. Whenever we travel anywhere, is if we went out to eat and we would order a hamburger. Oh, oh that would just drive him nuts.
0: I'd have been, I'd have been uh, excommunicated from the family know, for we, sure. We did, we did that
2: all the time as kids. I'm going to get a hamburger. Like, how are you getting a hamburger everywhere? I don't yeah,
1: know. like there's a whole menu of choices. There's a whole menu of choices. So what I tried to do with my daughters was... Try something, you know. Try you you to know if you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it actually took root. Mm. They will try something at least once mm. before they say. And they have like really sophisticated palates now, which I only have me to blame. I guess I can blame my dad. Uh, That's good. <laughs> but they will try, you know, like oh yeah, that, I don't know that I like that, but I'll taste it. Sure, you know, let's let's give it a whirl. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, it did change my view on. Appreciating other cultures, living beyond your fingertips, go see, explore, embrace. Um, and and also just get engulfed in other cultures. So now I do have a love of travel. I love travel. I would be traveling right now if I could afford it.
0: Travel is a uh is an interesting thing. Um I was, as you were talking about the not trying new things, that was much of my like I I discovered guacamole at like 37. Mm-hmm. though my wife had been telling me for, for years that it's delicious, but what does she <laughs> know, right? Right. And I, I kind of struggle with, it's an interesting dynamic with, with her and I because she's more free-spirited,
3: mm-hmm. live,
0: try, whatever. I grew up even with like diet, a very specific diet. So I, there are things I just haven't tried because of, of how I was shaped early on. When you see your daughter's going through life now what is the most rewarding part of seeing how they make choices if they're trying something new whether it's career or whatever how 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 does that play into because like philip said the the point of the show is to think more about money when we say wealth, right like like holistically so i get joy out of seeing things manifest in my children uh, 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 or them bearing fruit Right, like, maybe, ooh, maybe we got that part right. Right. So as you see, your, as your children making these decisions that may ultimately impact their financial wealth or financial health, like what are you the most proud of as you watch them kind of navigate through life?
1: Um, you you're exactly right in watching them. You know, like oh my gosh, that worked. It's stuck. <laughs> you know, right. and and old school parenting with some new school kind of nudges along the way of, you know, uh, it works. Consequential thinking. Mm. They, they. they for whatever reason that clicked, they got it. And I've asked them, um, because I really did not have any issues or problems with them uh, growing up. A few, you know, of course, yeah. here and there growing pains. But for the most part, great kids. Older daughter, straight-A student, her whole entire life. Um, went to Howard on a scholarship, uh, full-ride tuition scholarship. Uh, younger daughter, got into Mizzou, uh, journalism major, number one journalism school. Uh, got a scholarship to even out to for out-of-state differences. Mm. And they are, like, seriously, adulting extraordinarily well. I just... This is really hitting home for me because I've just seen both of them. Well, one is here mm. in Dallas. Um, the other one is uh, lives in New Jersey, works in New York City. And I just happened to have been there Tuesday and caught her for lunch. And it was just so cool to be able to call your kid and say, hey, you want to go get a lunch? Sure, mom, meet me here, da 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 It was just <laughs> lovely. And... Uh,
0: and she wanted to. I think that's and important she wanted too.
1: To. And see, that is, yeah. it is, it is a tricky line. It is a tricky line because I made it clear, I'm not here to be your friend. Mm. I'm here to be, you got lots of friends, you only get one mama. Mm. And I got to get it right. There are no do-overs, there are no whatever. I can't have you on some analyst couch talking <laughs> about my mama did this. I'm sure there are some things that you think are very traumatic
3: um, but,
2: um, I like how you said that. That you think are very traumatic. Yeah, you think are <laughs> very traumatic.
1: But uh, no. Uh, and, and even my daughters recognize, like the younger daughter one time, she was talking to some college classmate and coming to her with some problem or issue. And she was like, um, do you not have parents? That's a parent. You need wow. to talk to your parent. And, you know, when their friends meet me, they're like, oh, your mom is so cool. You know, I bet y'all are good friends. She said, no, 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 no. My mom's friendly. But we not friends <laughs> because I need her to be my mom in all things that I know, even if it's something I don't want to do, she will parent me because I know she has my best interests at heart.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I asked them like, what made y'all be good kids? Because you see, there are some people, they are great people. And their kids are terrible. They're just terrible kids, right? <laughs> um, and you know, I'm like, so that could have happened. I mean, certainly I'm grateful that it, they were good soil to start with. Right. But what made the difference? And they said, oh, you were very clear about making bad choices. The consequences were very clear, very consistent. You told us what was going to happen, and then you followed through on either side, yeah. good or bad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um. And, you know, then sometimes it was a threat of what could possibly be that was beyond the imagination. And, like, in some things we just never didn't want to find out how bad it could <laughs> right. go. So let's just not test that. Um. What kids thrive on more than anything else is consistency.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I. I, I, I like the way you put that because that's, like, I think in terms of, like, and this is gonna roll into my next question because I think we talked a little bit about it before. Just the whole rise of women in business, and and one you know like one of my biggest investment theses, and I call it I call it a thesis tongue in cheek because like on the long term I'm pretty right. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? Like I'm pretty right on wrong Be- because all I'm looking at is the gap in perception. I'm looking at the bias of the previous generation, mm-hmm. and the perspective of the new generation that that's building on the foundation. And I'm like, I don't have the bias, so I can see clearly, right? And so I'm saying we're moving into a world where women, um, like minorities and women, so if you put that on a circle, you know, minority women, black women, are uh, increasingly uh, having more influence because the perspective is, is in favor of your perspective because it's a more diverse perspective, right? It's a more balancing of energy, like long term. I'm saying, I'm saying when we're having a conversation 20 years from now, I'm going to be, this is going to be the uh, case and there's financial bets you can make on it. But my point in saying that is you illustrated a perfect idea of balance that, that I'm always striving to do, meaning you, you, you were clear in your thinking with your daughters, but you also wrapped it in love, right? So tip, what, I, what I call male energy is clear, uh, clarity. Maybe not so much love, right? And then the opposite of that is love without clarity, right? And so you mm-hmm. balance the two, which is not a you know it's not a surprise to me that you had very balanced daughters, right? So I'm saying um, the world is rebalancing in a positive way towards the perspective of women like you that you are balanced because you've had to operate with a sharp mind but do it from a happy, good quality emotional state. Right. So I guess I'm saying, like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you see that to be true in other women that you deal with that are dope like you?
1: Wow. Okay, let me unpack that a little bit. Um, So. I was married to their father. And so they grew up in the household with their father their entire lives. Mm. So there was a two parent household. Um, and between the two of us, well, one of the things I do remember in our, even our premarital counseling was I knew I was probably going to be the disciplinarian. He's, if you met him, he's just the kind of guy, he's all smiles. He's kind of jolly, you know, he's just easy And I was like, I'm not going to always be the bad guy, right? I'm going to
3: need you to be the bad guy sometimes. Um, and he said, okay,
1: but at the same time, interestingly enough, I don't think my daughter's considered him a pushover. Right. Right. They, he never gave off energy of daddy's little girls, little princesses either. Right. He had them, you know, took them camping, showed them how to do stuff, motor yard, like, like be self-sufficient women in that way. Um, At the same time, um, you know, we we were able to do the tag team. You know, tag, you're it, you know,
3: Mm -hmm. today. right?
1: Because we were also a two-career household. Mm. Um, So that just demanded everybody to do their part. And if you're acting out in school, I I can't go to work. And, you know, that's a problem. Big
3: problem. Mm -hmm. That's a
1: problem. But everybody. (laughs) Um, He was in banking during the um, Great Recession, so it was challenging for him uh, in, in, in some some ways. But we even after we divorced and while the girls were in college, we were always able to come together and, like, what are the girls doing, what do they need, you know, this and that. And it made me realize, that even with my own divorced parents, even though I... I probably did not ever see them chat or talk or whatever. Oh, they probably did because right. I know I'm talking to him. And, you know, even my daughters, we I was having a conversation with one of my daughters and um, who moved to New York or both of them. And they were like, well, you know, I'm trying to do whatever, whatever. I said, do you not think I talked to your dad? How do you think you got moved back and forth between DC and New York and internships and this and that if your dad and I didn't talk, like how do you think all these things happen? So it's still, you can co-parent, you know, and have that kind of relationship. Now, as they are adults, they more so, you know, it's more of a direct and less uh, between he and I. But that balance that you're talking about, uh, yeah, I did want my daughters to be able to want to have lunch with me, right? They're cool peeps. Right. I like hanging out with them. And they say that all the time, like, oh man, you know, I like my family. I like hanging out with my family. We have a good time. And we do. Um, but it also worked this way in balance in other ways. As I mentioned, we were two uh, career, to parent household. Um, so what I figured out was doing, old. well, my mantra is old school in a new way, mm-hmm. Right. So my thing is we will have dinner together every night as a family. That tells me when we need to, and we will sit down and we will have dinner. That doesn't mean I have to cook it, right? So we go to restaurants and during the while we're ordering food, how was your day? Well, what happened with little Johnny on the playground? Oh, what you got to do? And, you know, we had a massive calendar. And if you didn't get it up on the calendar, your need for soccer, your whatever. And it was a calendar. Everybody had a column for the whole month everybody write down what's on your column and made them responsible for their own lives and their own issues and their own whatever. Mm. And it's communal and you have a responsibility to this family too. We're not just here to serve you. If you want your needs met, you need to let us know or you got to figure it out. <laughs> this is how that plays out. I'm sorry. I'm kind of digressing. Hey, um,
0: is resonating. Yeah. I love it.
1: Um, <laughs> So much so, oh, my God, that younger child of mine, that younger child of mine, she's amazing. So she, uh, she was in elementary school. Again, we had a pickup for her to go to daycare, after school care, and she wanted to do the drama club. Baby, can't, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, they come pick you up. I pay for this service for them to come pick you up. Your dad can't get to you. I can't get to you you're going to have to just, you know, sorry, you can't do drama club. She was one, I want to say she was like in fourth grade, third or fourth grade, something Mm -hmm. like that. So um, I go to one of our little neighborhood Christmas gatherings or whatever. I am the only person of color still, even 25 years later, the only person of color in my neighborhood. But what I would always do, because they were always, you know, the moms that didn't work or whatever, they would check on my daughter. And I always would give them like a bottle of champagne on new year's kind of like happy new year's thanks so much for seeing by my child blah 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 but you know didn't think anything about it anyway so i go to the christmas party and i was like oh my gosh her son was named evan my daughter's name's devin so evan and devin just love that drama club they're just having such a great time in drama club yes oh devin has been telling me great things what drama club what is she talking about And, of course, I can't say anything because they're going to have CPS in my
3: house. Like, she don't even know what
1: her child is. She said, oh, my gosh. They just, you know, and when I take Devin and pick her up and take her to the daycare, she just, they just said, Evan just hates to see her go.
0: She negotiated.
1: And you know what? I am so sorry. I have been so busy. I've been meaning to thank you for that. (laughs) This child in fourth grade had figured it out. I told her what the issue was. I told her. It wasn't just no, not that I don't want you to do drama club. (laughs) It is no, because you have to get from school to after school care. I need to know that you're safe. I need to know that that's where you are. And I'm paying for this. No problem.
2: Handle, mom. Wow.
1: She might would have wanted to have told me that she handled it. But I was really doing like, Yes. And thank you so much. It's been crazy at work. And I just, yes. And I just went home and like, seriously? Wow. Seriously? Wow. So in the sense of two and and I've always talked to my children directly. Mm-hmm. I never sugarcoated anything. I never I rarely tried not to do because I said so. Most, I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. it would get to that because I said so. I'm tired of talking to you. Mm-hmm. But I really, again, the consequences of this is how all of this came to be. We didn't just fall out the sky. There is a limited pot and pool of money. Um, you know, they pretty much did everything they wanted to do. Um, and also, what are you willing to do to sacrifice to get to do? Mm-hmm. My daughter didn't make JV um, volleyball. And we did the good parents and went up and talked to the coach. And the coach was all sad and like, oh, we love her. She's so amazing. And she's such a sweet person. And, I mean, it was like all of these things. I'm not hearing anything about volleyball skills, right? And then when it came back, he said, you know, she just didn't have this skill, this skill, this skill. skill. I'm like, well, did she know she was supposed to have these skills or whatever? And he's like, well, we kind of did drills. You know, he was trying to stop... And then this was the interesting part. I'm sorry, I'm diverting and you're probably it's, going to edit this, but this, this is, is interesting. <laughs> this is interesting. So, and then it was a white coach, had known her, and he was like a really, really nice guy. He really, really was. But he said, he said, if I can just be candid with you, I only have so many spots. Your daughter is going to college without a doubt. Mm. These other girls, this is their only shot.
0: Opportunity, Yeah.
1: I can't do it on a Devin just want to be here. I didn't mean to say her name, but mm-hmm. Devin, you know, she just wanted to be here. So when, come back around and, you know, she cried a crocodile tears or whatever. And I said, well, Devin, I'm sorry. You know, we talked to the coach. He said, you could be the manager if you wanted to. You could, um, you know, do this other stuff. And he's like, okay, well, you no, know, she was sad. I said, well, Devin, what did you really like about volleyball? Oh, we got to wear uniforms. <laughs> we got to wear cool jackets you know, hanging out in the weight room. I'm like, I'm not hearing anything about the sport, (laughs) about the actual sport itself. I said, here, Devin. And she was like, but I really want to be on the team. I said, look, Devin, I've already talked to you about it. But here's my issue with it. And I don't have a problem talking to him, but I have never once had to tell you, get that volleyball off my table. I have never once had Mm -hmm. to say, Devin, stop bouncing that volleyball off my house. Mm -hmm. I have never once had to say, Devin, we can't afford to send you to camp because you've never asked to go to volleyball camp. So I'm kind of with coach on this one. Right. It's it's not in your heart to Mm -hmm. do it for the love of the sport. Yeah. So, again, Mm. it's about making it clear to them, what are you willing to do to make your dreams come true? What are you willing to sacrifice, work for, earn, that is your own. Um, and that to me is the part of the wealth too, because part of wealth is owning ownership.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Whether it's your choice, whether it's um, your decisions, whether it's your house, whether it's your car, it's ownership.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: When you own something, you have a different level of commitment to it mm. and what you're willing to do to defend it. And not let anybody take it from you for any silly foolish little reason mm-hmm. and value it so you just people are so precarious with some things that are irreplaceable mm-hmm.
0: well let's uh let's take a quick break here from our sponsors and we'll be right black
2: do i want to make more yeah am i not making more because of limited thinking of course Or I'll be making it, right? Then you realize, yeah, I'm never going to stop wanting to expand. I'm always going to want to expand. So beating yourself up on like your current limitations doesn't make any sense. This episode is sponsored by the Wealth Building Made Simple Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other major podcasting platform.
0: All right, we are black with the one and the only Vicky Blanton. She has given us an incredible, uh, some incredible stories. And we want to get a couple more out of you before we say goodbye. One thing that is of interest to me is um, like, how difficult is it to be a successful woman in corporate America? I have a perspective of what it was for me as I climbed the corporate ladder. That was ultimately leaned against the wrong building. So there's that. And now that I'm out of it, being the one to support my wife as she did me, as she's the lead in pursuit of her goals and dreams, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to un-executive, uncorporate to a degree to make sure that I'm showing up for her the way that she needs me. And I would call it down to give a uh, detailed report about how that's going, <laughs> but I want it to stay positive. <laughs> it's positive positive. But for me, like I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm acutely aware that that's something I'm trying to unlearn because I think of everything as not do what I say, but I'm used to be, always being on so on point for making decisions and I always had to know more. I always had to be ready because I look like me and like there was that pressure and then there was the, we were a single income household for the last. My wife was in the military. We made a decision for her to come home and be a stay-at-home mom. And since 2015, like that's kind of been the pressure. So we my question back around, how, how difficult, or is it difficult being a successful woman, black woman in corporate America at today o'clock?
1: Today o'clock, um, it is extraordinarily difficult. Um, maybe some people have a different experience. Um, maybe some people have a different skill set that makes them better at it. Uh, but I I think it is extraordinarily difficult uh, because that thing that you're talking about of the twice as hard, you know, your your decisions have to be so not only correct, but your reasoning has to be correct. They have to agree with your logic. They have to, how did you get here? You can't just say, do X. Mm -hmm. You have to, well, because I was looking at this data point here and then in consideration of that, and then this, perhaps X would be (laughs) the way we should go.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: But let me know your thoughts about that. See, see how, I, how I did that? Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's every conversation that I have all day long. And I know it's a, I'm not a black man, so I can't speak to that, but I do know there is still a difference between being a man and a woman, mm-hmm. right? So I still have the double black and a woman. Mm-hmm. Of I have to be not only a certain level of deferential, but I have to have a certain level of submissiveness to my voice too.
0: Can't be angry.
1: Which, yes, the angry black woman, which is so challenging. However, a lot of people lean into that black, white, polka dot, whatever, um, Philip, when you asked the question earlier about that the world is leaning towards Black women in, in navigating this thing and where we go in the future, I got lost in thought, and you were probably looking at my expression because we always have.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Black women raise, have been raising people's everybody's. children,
2: <laughs> everybody's <laughs> children forever. That's true,
1: man. forever. Right? But it was from the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at even, you know, like the movie Hidden Figures, right? Okay. They were doing this great work, but it still was background and allowing them to come into the room. Mm -hmm. Now we're getting to the point where black women are in the, you know, at the table in the room and some at the head of the table, Mm -hmm. we're convening the meeting. Mm -hmm. So it 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 is difficult. There is still challenges with how people um, perceive your leadership, as it were. I still get pushback. I can't when I do say just do this. Again, I'm a consequential thinker. I can tell you how I got there. <laughs> I don't have time for that right now. I just need <laughs> you to do it. If you want me to stop this and explain my step and process, because we are that's how we're trained to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. Right? I can do it in an instant. I just do it quicker,
3: yeah. faster. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right? And it's exhausting. Is it is just incredibly, incredibly exhausting. So When you say be successful, I don't know that I'm successful. Hmm. I do know that I'm tenacious. I do know that I'm still here. So maybe it's just a matter of longevity. Is longevity what equates to success, that I'm still in corporate America? And as we all know in corporate America, that's precarious all the time because that's at a whim, Mm -hmm. whether you're still here. I just, you know, fortunate enough that I picked up a skill set that was needed, but, you know, no one is indispensable. Very they can true. get someone else to do it for sure. I just have a special, but they can't do it like I do it, right? right? 100%. And the way I do it is, um, and I do see the looks of, oh, Vicki, how do you do this? And you make it seem so simple, so simple.
0: It's the reps. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, that's
2: what I do. And and I think and I think when you take the fact that you are on so many boards and uh you know, head of a uh old school powerful organization here in, you know, Dallas now and um you know I I, I look at it more like and, and it's gonna turn into a question, but it's more like um uh the 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 perspective and the approach that I feel like you have is something that I'm personally learning because I am a, you know, like if you think of my core, like my core nature, right? My wife has helped balance me out, you know, but my core nature is I'm a man's man. You know what I'm saying? Like I do Muay Thai. I mean, I keep going back to that, but that's, if I didn't do that, then I would like have all that unbalanced male energy that bleeds over into everything else. because I You know, I, I'm a very dominant, aggressive, clear-minded thinker, right? And so. I've had to learn to balance out the, you know, because when you're, and this is, you know, I even, so I understand, because when you like that, I was going to say, when you're smarter than a lot of people, a lot of the times, right, But you go, ah, should I say that? But that's just, the, that's just the truth. It's a fact. Yeah, it's just the truth. You, uh, uh, you, you have to learn the patience to let them catch up, right, which I sh- didn't even realize was a problem until recently. You know what I mean? I used to go...
1: Why don't
2: you get that? Yeah, like what are we talking? Why am I slowing down? Like, just I'm I'm always right, so just do it, you know. But you can't say that, you know. But I learned from you and my wife and other people that no, nah, just people go at different paces, and uh, and so I'm I'm when I say I look at you and how you do it, like I learn from you because I'm like no, nah, like you are where you are from my perspective because maybe by necessity, you know, I didn't have to learn it. I'm a man, you know. I could I could muscle through it. And then if you want to fight, we can square up. (laughs) (laughs) Very male energy.
1: (laughs) Very male energy. Well, but okay, but here's the point to that. And my, because I grew up with a bunch of uncles, Mm. like a bunch of uncles. I want to say like nine or 10 uncles.
3: Mm.
1: Well, no, it was, uh, I think it was seven uncles and also a bunch of boy cousins a whole bunch of boy cousins. Mm. So, uh, and one of my cousins teases me all the time. He says, "You speak Guy. You speak Guy very well." <laughs> I'm like, uh, "Okay, I didn't know that was a thing, but okay." Uh, he said, "No, you're clearly a girl because they do and my cousins all know. I'm, you know, they treat me like a princess. They do." Which I love that. Thank you, cuz. <laughs> um, but uh he said, you know, just I guess it goes back to that balance thing, right? So uh And and my mom confirmed it one time I was when we were all working at home and she was at the house with me doing some stuff. I was on a conference call. And you know how you do that little pre-chatter before the call. And one of the guys said something to me, teasing me or whatever. And I had mentioned to her earlier, my mom was an executive secretary um, and she was one of the first black executive secretaries in her corporation, uh, a major corporation. And uh, she was like, yeah, I see why your secretary doesn't like you. I'm like, well, why? She said, because you're one of the guys. I'm like, huh? I said, uh, I don't understand what they She said, oh, no, I heard you just teasing back and forth with those guys. You know, we would never do that. You know, most women would never do that. And you were just so comfortable with it. And the guys, you know, are ribbing you and you're ribbing them back and, you know, chit-chatting and this and that. I'm like, mom, do you know how many meetings I sit in that I am the not only the only woman, I'm the only black and the only black woman? In a room full, usually of white men. of course I have to be able to (laughs) like, ha, 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 you know, John, that was so funny, you know, go back and forth with them or else I won't be in the room. Mm. I won't be in the room. And it does make a difference. Another different time. um, Someone had told me long time ago, long time ago, if there's a table, you always sit at the table until somebody tells you to move, Mm -hmm. right? But always walk in the room, sit at the table. So in my little naive self, I, that came back to me when I was at a meeting and uh, walked in, sat at the table. And there were char- chairs already lined up on, on the table. Now, interestingly enough, uh, corporate secretary walked in. He sat at a chair on the wall. Head of uh, labor employment law, chief attorney, she came, sat on the wall. And I was like, this is kind of interesting. Okay. And then everybody else filled in. It's like, hey, Vicky, blah, blah, blah. And we did our, our meeting. And so later, I didn't think much about it, other than, okay, I don't know why you didn't sit at the table, but okay. And then came to me later, she was over labor and employment. She said, When you were sitting at that table, I walked in and you were like at the table, your stuff set, ready to go, and then everybody greeted you. She said, Man, that was powerful. Mm. That was powerful. Little things like that that you don't know mean something to people, they do. That is almost imperceptible, mm. right? Yeah. To the extent I take up space, I'm going to take up space. I have to do it in a way that doesn't have negative impact. Right. And trust me, and, and this is the other part that I, I really tell my daughters and I tell younger people. This is 30 some years. This, this ain't like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't just graduate and come out like this. This is years, decades, smoothing, training, soft skills, watching other people, reading the room. I cannot tell you how much a lot of this is soft skills. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to just sit back and just, perceive the room and a lot of times now you know a lot of times it is racism and sexism i'd say that's about 80 percent of it but a lot of times it's not people are concerned about themselves their own welfare what they want to get done and if you can find some way to tie in what you need done that is you know helpful to them i'm really help me help you right right <laughs> That that is a lot of corporate America energy. Mm. But that takes time and willpower and the ability to withstand. And some days you can do it. And then, you know, some days Vicky Blanton shows up for the office. And then sometimes it's Kiki from Oak Cliff. (laughs) Um, And that is right under the surface, right? And then I always think about, what. Uh, y'all ever see the skit Dave Shippey when Keeping It Real goes horribly wrong? Oh man, mm-hmm.
2: that was the funniest one.
1: That was shake fu- my
3: hand. <laughs> yes, yes. There are many meetings,
1: many meetings that I want to go in and go like that. But what I learned the corporate the corporate way to do that, I take exception to that. That was a fighting word. Mm. In any meeting, I take exception to that. Hmm. huh. And the other one is that's very funny. Well, lawyers do it all the time, but if somebody's talking whatever, whatever, and you're like, and your response basically is whatever. Duly noted. Absolutely. (laughs) And then you can move on to whatever you're talking about. I did that in a meeting once, and uh, everybody fell silent. This guy was going to read me the riot act, and he was showing me this and that and the other, and it was a I mean, like it was like one of these meetings cast up thousands in the air. And he was going to show me, and he slammed the book shut. Duly noted. Now, if we can move on to the next da-da-da-da-da-da. And my mind, and everybody just went quiet. And I was like, oh, my God, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? And so um, the opposing side, they got up and left. The second the door shut, Vicky, thank, thank you. We've been trying to shut that guy up for years. And you just did it in two words.
2: But I mean, that's, that's a superpower. I'm telling you, like, there's a, we talked on the phone before. Yes. There's a generation of guys like me, right? That our personality, the aggressive personality, is the personality, the perspective that runs the world today, right? I'm not saying me, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, but I'm saying that mindset. But a lot of us that are of this generation want to learn from you because, like, the, the first thought that comes to my head when somebody gets disrespectful in a meeting is be like, "Pause, step outside, and handle this." Which you can't do that. You just can't do that. It doesn't. Oh, it doesn't
0: go well. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It, yeah, it
2: doesn't. Kind like I'm smarter than you. I can beat you up. If we're gonna, if we're gonna do some reckless talking, right? Let's let's do it with the hands because, like, that's the natural progression of how I see things going, which is. I understand that's not the right way. So I have to either. Buy your time. Right. Which is, which doesn't address the problem. Right. Because then I have, or learn like what you just said, duly noted. I was like, that is genius. Like, like that's a genius move. Now he just took a swing, missed, and now he's feeling shamed and stupid.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, it sounds learned. Right. (laughs) And like, I'm giving that through consideration. That's another way to say that. And due consideration is no consideration. That's, what you're, that's, what, that's the amount of consideration you do. So, um, I mean, there are other ways that you can do these things. And, you know, to the extent you do martial arts, which is, you know, a lot of that whole, and maybe that's back to Japan, you got to master yourself mm-hmm. in most things, right? You got to learn to calm yourself. Yeah, you're going to feel better in that moment. But then, but then what? Right. And then what? I mean, that was to the point of that's how my mom taught consequential thinking. It was always, and then what? Mm -hmm. That is always, I don't care what sentence you say, that is the next question. And then what? Well, I'm going to tell them, okay, and then what? Well, I might get fired. Okay, and then what? And then what? And then what? And you just, it never stops. Mm -hmm. Now, that's kind of, a crazy way. I mean, I won't say crazy, but I mean in some instances you can drive yourself crazy mm-hmm. where you have to get to a point of, okay, you know what? I'm good. i, I, I'm, I that's all I got. <laughs> if you're not willing to accept that, you can't just go off on somebody and you know, let's, let's now. I will say there are some times where people need to know that's where you can go, and you have to give them a demonstration <laughs> of that. Um, I've given a few choice words. <laughs> And was surprised to find that I still had my job. I would have fired me. I would have. I'm like, did I say that? Can <laughs> you say that? Can you do that? And it worked out. From the sense of, I'm, I'm here. I live to tell the tale. Uh, again,
0: there are the some balance. consequences yeah. I'm willing to accept. But that's what's, that's that's respected. What, what I found out uh, in my journey is that. They talk to each other like that in a certain setting and then go have beers afterwards. Yeah. I wasn't invited to have the beer, so I thought it ended there. Right, I'm like, right. Even if you're not talking to me, my face in the meeting, like, how, how are you going to let him, you accept that from him? But it was just the nature of it. And that's something that I, I hate to say I had to learn. I learned it and I learned how to, um, I figured out a way how to maneuver with it. So I became good at helping people recite my thoughts back to me as if they, as as if they created it. Right.
1: Which is so annoying, but which is so
0: annoying, (laughs) which I knew my time was drawing short is because I stopped. I started interrupting conversations and asking, so what was different about the way he presented than what I presented 10 minutes ago? Mm -hmm. Cause I Mm want to be clear in case I missed something Mm -hmm. so that I can present it clearly the next time. But I knew I was, I was on my way out. (laughs) Anyhow, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll start there. We're going to turn down the, we're going to turn down the street, head to the cul-de-sac. Um, And start wrapping this, but given all of that, what, where does your personal peace of mind play into how you think about wealth, what you think about wealth, and how you maintain it, given kind of the (laughs) the the uh, examples that of your everyday life? Because I get it; like it's a real like I didn't realize how and I'm not putting this on you, I'm clearly saying me, how angry I was until I got out of court because I, I woke up with a scowl because I felt like that was my armor for the day. And I didn't, my wife was like, you, I just asked you, did you want pancakes? Like I, I didn't even know. Right. Like it was just, like I said, it was, it was my armor. So how do you, yeah. how do you manage it in real time if you don't mind sharing with the folks?
1: Um, when I speak to law students, I tell them all the time, you've got to learn to manage that stress and you've got to be able to manage the people in your lives to give them a clue mm. that you're under stress. My phrase that all my family and friends know, I will always answer the phone. I always answer the phone. I don't care where I am in the world, literally. I will answer the phone. I will be like, hey, what you want? What do you need? <laughs> I'm in... You know, Japan. What do you want? Speak your peace, go away. Um, but at the same time, when I'm in when I'm in that moment, I'm in the fray. What do you need? And they know, like, oh, get to the issue quickly. Yeah. I'm not being rude. I just need you to get to it. Let me go on and do my quick consequential thinking of what it is you're calling me about. Let me work it out, triage it, and send you on your way. Um, but I always tell them. Don't be a jerk, particularly to your family, because you've got to come back. They will allow it for a while, but if you do it in such a way, constantly, consistently, um, they don't have to be there and take abuse. They'll do it for a minute. they all understand you're under stress. So you've got to find a way, whatever that thing is that allows your happiness, whether it's a hobby, whether it's therapy, whether it's, you know, um, understanding it's a moment in time. Um, you, and you're right, There is, there can be an undercurrent of anger. I'm dealing with a situation now. I have an undercurrent of anger mm. um, over a slight, truly a corporate America slight uh, at these same. And, and I was like, you know, but I'm okay. You know, that's what they want to do. I'm okay. And it took a good friend of mine, that went to a conference, and she looked at me and she said, I'm going to need you to stop saying you're okay. I get why you're saying it, because you want to make it appear that you're not going to be bothered by that, but you are. Mm-hmm. And for me now, what gives me solace in it, what I'm learning to do as, again, old school in a new way, buy my time. Perfect opportunity will come along, and revenge is a dish best served cold. (laughs) I got time today. I'll just wait for it. It will present itself in the most perfectly pristine way that I could not have imagined or orchestrated in my wildest dreams. Mm. I'll just wait for it. Mm. That's what they do. You just got to be patient and wait for it. Mm and sometimes you patiently wait for it and things move on and you don't have to maybe the anger will subside maybe things will move on maybe other great things will make up for it in my life that you know that is it gives it the proper perspective of the minimal thing in my life as it should be it is the pea in my match under my mattress the princess and the pea mm. in my mattress it's that little the pebble in my shoe gotcha. right so Um, Peace of mind is a big thing. This is probably the greatest peace of mind in this moment in time in my life I've ever had. Mm. I've ever had. Um, Because I just have to manage me, (laughs) Uh, which I'm realizing I'm not that easy to manage. (laughs) I am not parenting myself very well. Uh, That's what I'm in this phase. I'm trying to figure out how to parent myself Mm. of making me do the things I don't want to do that I know I need to do, I'm not doing that very well. Uh, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And, uh, yeah, that corporate America thing, it is a challenge. Uh, and it, it, what's funny, they know they're doing it, and they're waiting on it, and they're, they're waiting for me to do whatever. And uh, so part of it has to do with my office, and it's not in a very wonderful place. But, in, oh, Vicki, how's your office? And just even that thing, and my response is, "Wait for it." You know where the queen's throne is, wherever she sits.
0: Mm. I'm
1: fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I did not have that one in my arsenal. <laughs> that, <laughs> no, that 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 that's real. As you as 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 you were talking, like you were just activating a lot of um uh old. old pre-meditation field. And at this point in my life, because of where I'm moving in the world, it was like God gave me meditation because he's like, you're going in places where you can't take, you can't take that. That's uh, my boy name. You can't take that. Uh, we just talked about him off air. You can't take that Washington. mindset. Yeah. I was, I was like, I'm a, that Houston boy was still in there. Mm. You know,
1: Oh, Oak Cliff is still. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, you can't lose that, right? And I because don't want to. I don't want to. You can't. I mean, that's what got you there, mm-hmm. right? That's, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, there were times, I, I, to your point of that underlying anger that you didn't even realize there. One morning, I was walking, I was driving to work. And then I was like doing something and I touched my face. I kept like, you know, I thought it was like a hair or something. Tears were streaming down my face. Mm. I didn't even realize I was crying Ooh. on my way into work, right? And I was like, "Oh!" And then the old clip and me like, "Oh no, sis, that's crazy. <laughs> we we're not doing that. Yeah. We not we're not doing that. Let's let's figure that out." I mean, I didn't leave at that point, but um, you know, sometimes to you know being able to hear your wife say that, right? And accept it and not get defensive that there's something wrong with her for, you know, calling yeah. you out, right? Me being able to hear my my colleagues say, you're not okay. Um, and not take it as an attack on you and just say, oh, okay. I'm p- apparently not hiding it as well as I thought I was right. hiding it. So being in balance with other people as well. So not just balancing yourself within Trying to balance your environment, balancing these kids, this job, all of that is crazy. But you got to balance with others as
0: well.
2: Mm. Yeah, this is good. This is good. Yeah. I,
0: I, um, I didn't know I needed to introduce you as a life coach earlier. <laughs> 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 read me the whole you know, time. I the get these time. things
1: from people. And if I can just save some people a step or two along the way, yeah. um, it's helpful a lot of people, I'm realizing, don't have this in their lives of just talking and thinking through things. And some things you got to actively work at. And you got to want it. Some people really are happy in their misery. Hmm. Be good with that. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to hmm. let you sit with that. You seem like you got that under control. <laughs> Enjoy.
0: Happy I'm and going and over misery. here. <laughs> That's, yeah. That and sounds like a whole understand. episode, right? How can you be happy in your misery? You mm. have to figure that one out. Mm. <laughs> a lot of people are. Yeah. Because, because that's decided. what they know. Yeah. It's because well, what they know. And you decide to be happy. My dad told me earlier yes. happiness is a fleeting emotion. So you pick your happy. Yeah. If you associate a thing with happy,
2: I guess you can, in fact, be happy in whatever that thing is. it's yeah, like to play in the mud. That's what they do. Tis true. What they do.
0: Yeah. It's true. Uh, Vicky, thank you for spending. Um, Time with us. Um, you're not paid for this. I don't know if y'all worked that out. No? Yeah, you worked, that,
2: worked out an arrangement.
0: Okay. If you are, invoice <laughs> him. <laughs> he's, like, he got it. He's, yeah, he's the parent company. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a subsidiary. If that's the case. He's the parent company. But no, this, this, is, uh, this has been great, man. It's, it's um like I, I get the value to me is perspective and real time adjusting, especially from somebody that's done it. Right, that has the actual experiences, not just hypothesizing and, and um, talking out of the side of your your, your, your neck. Um, are you on social media? If so, how can people find you? Or are you you too busy being busy? Too um, busy being successful.
1: Oh my goodness, I am on LinkedIn, so that's probably the best way. Okay, I mean, I do have an Instagram. I'm not very good at that. She
0: said my password. My, my password is set up a certain way. Yeah, yeah the way my bank accounts are set up. Yeah, no.
1: Um, and uh, yeah, I'm on
2: Facebook.
0: Cool, Facebook. cool. Well, if uh, if it's linked down below, that's how you can find it. If it's not, yeah, it's just, this was all the value that you needed yeah. to get from her. You got catch, anything else?
2: Catch her, catch her, catch her in Oak Cliff walking. You know, hanging out <laughs> <laughs> in the daytime. I wouldn't try to catch it. No, no, no. Well, I live in now, so we'll take that out.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. we're not going to say that um, that's going to do it for this episode of the Well Blueprint we hope you guys gain some value there's a bunch of links below to, to point you to different places if this is a clip social media there'll be something pointing you to where you can find this everywhere it's on every podcast platform it's on Roku it's on YouTube so however you got this little bit of it or if you got the whole thing we appreciate you um
2: yeah. Any reminders? No. Hey, thanks for coming through, Vicky. This is good. Cool, cool.
1: Thank y'all for the opportunity. This is really meaningful to me. If I could just say this one part. Yeah. One of the things that I often think about, I consider myself as the bridge generation, right? So I, you know, my parents, baby boomers, and then, you know, raising millennials or whatever. And y'all are like that half generation behind mm-hmm. me. So I appreciate, like I said, doing the old school in a new way. Um, And I don't think a lot of people get that. Mm. Um, So I appreciate that y'all think what I have to say is of value.
0: Very dope. We appreciate you guys. God bless you. Peace.